Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring comedians Bob Sweeney and Hal March, an excerpt from The Great Gildersleeve, a brief look at the Nelson family, Ozzie and Harriet, plus a few moments with the ever-popular feuding family, the Bickersons. Some performers are strictly a product of radio, and that certainly goes for Bob Sweeney and Hal March. They were both radio actors and appeared on many, many programs. During the 40s, one of the radio networks was looking for a new comedy show, and they teamed up these two for The Sweeney and March Show. Aunt Martha's Bottled Donuts presents America's Favorite Quiz. Dunk it or don't. <laughs> Friends, tonight we have the big news you've all been waiting for. The announcement of the winner of our great contest, which Aunt Martha's been sponsoring for the past 67 years. <laughs> and in a moment, we'll present the winner. But first... This is the first time I ever entered a contest. I didn't Not just yet, well, I was moment. sitting home on the radio. It all came to me as a great please, surprise. Please, please, we're not ready for you yet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to present our lucky winner in just a moment. But first, a household hint. Friends, why not try a five-gallon jar of Aunt Martha's bottled donuts? <laughs> no fuss, no bother of coffee making, because Aunt Martha's donuts come to you already dunked in cold coffee. <laughs> Six dozen chubby little donuts in each jar. Delicious, nutritious... And so soggy. <laughs> Stop at your grocer's tomorrow. Walk up to the counter and just say, Duh. <laughs> You'll know what you mean. <laughs> and now, our lucky contest winner. Good evening, donut lovers. <laughs> Here standing beside me at our Aunt Martha bottle donut microphone is our contest winner. Your name, please. I never expected a winner. It came as a great surprise. I always... Huh? I said, what is your name? 114 Hollywood Boulevard Let me put it this way My name is Carmel Peterson I'm the master of ceremonies Now, what's your name? Ari Floigenspiel Now, Mr. Floigenspiel As you told us, this is the first contest you've ever entered? Well, not exactly You see, with me it's a living you mean to tell me that you can actually make a living from these contests? Last year, Uncle Sam nixed me 4,000 bucks income tax for my winnings. And if the truth was known, that ain't a bad consequence. You <laughs> say that, Mr. Floigenspiel, not at all. Have you won other things besides money? Oh, yeah. I win 300 stoves, I got 165 refrigerators, and I've been queen for a day four times. <laughs> win a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, I win my wife in a contest. You won Mrs. Floigenspiel in a contest? Yeah. A turkey raffle. <laughs> of course you're kidding. Yeah, I always say that on the radio. It's a joke I have. <laughs> That's very, very, very entertaining. 
Now, Mr. Floygenspiel, about our contest. In order to be our winner, you had to consume more donuts than any other contestant. And how many have you eaten? 620,000 donuts. <laughs> and what was your reaction? Gramps. <laughs> yes, uh, 620,000 donuts. Mr. Floygenspiel, if you don't watch yourself, you're going to turn into a donut. You're telling me. Every time I see a cup of coffee, I get up on a counter and sit in it. <laughs> uh, how about my prize? Gee, I eat 620,000 donuts, and all I get is scab. That's the way with you contest guys. I come here for you're, my... You're absolutely right, Mr. Floygenspiel, absolutely. Yeah. And now that brings us around to the most important part of our program. Swell. Mr. Floygenspiel, who has the recipe for the most delicious dunk donuts you ever tasted? Aunt Martha. <laughs> Correct. And, Mr. Floygenspiel, who is the grand old lady of the bottle donut? Aunt Martha. <laughs> and so, Mr. Floygenspiel, I would like to present you the prize that is dearest to the American donut dunker's heart. A case of donuts? No, Aunt Martha. <laughs> Situation comedy programs were very popular on radio as they are on television today. But there was something that radio gave the listener that TV has never been able to accomplish. That's imagination. If you fell in love with a girl, with a girl's voice, that girl could be blonde or redheaded, blue eyes or green, be tall or short or thin or even fat. Well, to each his own. You know, one of the popular Wednesday night features on NBC was The Great Gildersleeve. And he had a girlfriend that was a beauty. So now, here's Harold Perry as the great Gildersleeve with his girlfriend, Leela Ransom. Thank you, thank you. You want to hear the story of my great romance with uh, Leela Ransom? Well... <clears throat> Let's see, it all started back early in 1942. Wait till I consult my diary. Uh, I happened to be the air raid warden on my block <laughs> when I noticed this very interesting blonde move into the neighborhood. I felt it was my duty as an air raid warden to drop in and see her. I felt it was my duty as a gentleman to bring her some flowers and a box of candy. Yeah, I remember it so well. That night I stood before the door of her house and knocked. Give me one dozen roses, put my heart in beside them, and send them to the one I... Yes? Mm. Uh, Mrs. Ransom? Yes, my name is Leela Ryan. <laughs> well, allow me to introduce myself. Uh, Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve, your air raid warden, at your service. Well, how nice. <laughs> I just want you to know, Mrs. Ransom, that you can count on me in a blackout. Well, <laughs> oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> I wonder if she's related to Senator Claghorn. <laughs> Come in, won't you? Come right in. Well, thank you. I mustn't stay but a minute, though. Uh, you know something, Mr. Gildersleeve? No, what's that? Well, I reckon it's silly of me, but here I am all alone in this big old house, and when I opened the door just now and saw you standing there, I was just scared to death. You look so big and military. You ought to see me in my gas mask. <laughs> oh, I'll bet you look even handsomer. <laughs> 
You probably say that to all the air raid wardens. <laughs> no, I always just say the first thing that comes into my pretty head. Oh, but, but, Mercy, I mustn't keep you standing here. Uh, step into the parlor, won't you? Just toss your hat on the table there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I forgot I was wearing my helmet. Uh, oh, that's perfectly all right. I, I hope you'll forgive the way the house looks, Mr. Gildersleeve. Well, I'm afraid this is a bad time to call, but as your air raid warden, I felt it was my duty to stop by and check your defenses. <laughs> My defenses? Uh-huh. Against incendiaries. Oh. oh, I just love a man with a sense of humor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I declare it's a real comfort to know you'll be around here, Rock Martin. Yes, sir, any time, day or night. I live right next door. I can be over here with the sand and shovel and the fine spray and the stuff in half a minute. But uh, I think I better run along now and come back another time if there's nothing I can do. Well, there is just one thing, if that's not asking too much. Oh, not at all. I reckon I shouldn't ask it of you because it's so heavy a man would have to be pretty powerful. Uh, it can't be too heavy for me. Lead me to it. Well, it's that high, boy, there. But I'm afraid it would take two men to move it, really. Well, that's easy. Where do you want it? Well, I, I kind of thought it would look better down at the other end of the room, don't you? Yeah, well, soon see. Don't stain yourself now. <laughs> Say, what's in this? Well, it's full of perfectly priceless old linens that belong to my grandmother Beecham. You sure she's not in it? <laughs> oh, Throckmorton, I do declare you say the most priceless thing. <laughs> well, they put plenty of stuff in these old linens. <laughs> Yeah, there you are. Oh, Rockmorton, I don't know how I can ever find you. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Nothing oh, at all. Uh, before you go, there's just one more thing. Grandma beat him again? Uh, no, but the movers left all the upstairs furniture downstairs. I don't know what they were thinking of. I know what they were thinking of. <laughs> Brother, this is the beginning of a long and busy friendship. Dear Diary, Monday, I mowed the lawn for Leela. She seemed awfully grateful. I never saw so this hot before. Never saw a yard so big either. Throckmorton! Oh, Throckmorton! Yes? It looks lovely, as far as you've gone. It, uh... Tuesday. Well, Diary, I beat the rugs for her today. She liked it. Never could understand how so much dirt gets into these darn things. Oh, Ma, that rug looks much brighter already. Oh, <laughs> you think so? <laughs> oh, indeed I do. You must be just as strong as an ox the way you beat that poor little thing. <laughs> Wednesday, I took down the upstairs screens for her today. She never could have done it by her little cell. If this darn screen ever comes loose, I will too, brother. I don't trust this ladder either. Yoo-hoo, Throckmorton! Yoo-hoo! You must be awfully brave, Rob.
Osmond, aren't you nervous the way up so high? Oh, no, I used to be a pole vaulter. <laughs> I'll get this screen out of here some way. Come on, you little... Oh! <gasps> Look out! Oh, 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 here I go! Just like Red Skelton. <laughs> Good night, diary. Nelson and Harriet Hilliard starred on television as America's Happiest Family. They also appeared on radio for over ten years in the same format, The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. It's getting well into winter now. Most parts of the country, people are talking of nothing but the weather, the dropping temperature and the freezing cold. But the Nelson household at 1847 Rogers Road is in sunny California. And right now, we hear from 10-year-old David Nelson. Gee whiz, I almost froze to death last night. <laughs> Harriet, with typical motherly interest, replies... Oh, I'm sorry, David. Maybe we better put another blanket on your bed. While Ozzy reacts in the usual masculine fashion, as he says... Well, if David wants another blanket, okay, but kids sure are different these days. You know how many blankets I used to use when I was a kid? I don't know, but you used four last night. Well, I sure could use another blanket. It's so cold last night, I got goose pimples. David, please. In California, we don't say it's so cold, we got goose pimples. What do we say, Pop? We say the air here is so wonderful, our skin is jumping for joy. If Ozzie and Harriet are the most happy couple, then Don Amici and Francis Langford, the Bickersons, are the most miserable, but certainly the funniest. I just don't understand how two people can dirty so many dishes. Seems like the minute I get through with one stack, there's another. I tell you, John Bickerson, I'm not going to stand for this much longer. Every one of my friends has made at least one day out of John. John Bickerson. Mm -hmm. How can you fall asleep at the breakfast table? It ain't easy with all that talking going on. <laughs> Wake me in five minutes, Blanche. No, you don't. You just get busy and help out. I'm tired, Blanche. That's just an excuse. Did you ever see that sweet young couple next door? Now there's a husband for you. He waits on her hand and foot. He's an idiot. <laughs> he never lets her do anything alone. On Monday, he washed the dishes with her. On Tuesday, he cleaned the silver with her. On Wednesday, he ironed the clothes with her. What do you suppose he did on Thursday? He mopped up the floor with it. <laughs> he did not. Well, he should have. Listen, Blanche, I got enough problems of my own, and I'm not interested in that stupid couple next door. Can't even get you to do the simplest chore. I do plenty. I begged you to have the electric orange squeezer fixed. 
Did you take it to the electrician? No. Well, I didn't have to. I fixed it myself. How could you fix it? It needed a new motor. I hooked it up to the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> vacuum cleaner? Does it work? It works fine. Except it sucks up the juice and spits the pits in your face. <laughs> what time is it? You've got plenty of time. I'll have breakfast ready in a minute. I don't want any more. This oatmeal is plenty. What oatmeal? Where'd you get oatmeal? <laughs> what kind of talk is that? It was on the top of the stove. I ate the whole pot. That wasn't oatmeal. That was wallpaper paste. <laughs> oh, no. You promised to paper the bathroom this morning. Wallpaper paste. Now, how are you going to put the wallpaper up? I'll lick it in place. Madge, <laughs> how can you worry about wallpaper when I'm practically poisoned? Oh, you're not poisoned. It's just flour and water. Go take an antidote, and I'll whip up a nice omelet. I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> like that, John. I've already got the powdered eggs on. Now all I have to do is chop up the turnips and peel the frog legs. It's a wonderful dish. I'm not eating any powdered frog's legs. Just taste it. That's all I ask. Not me. First time I ever saw green eggs. That's from the skunk cabbage. I got the recipe from my mother. It looks like your mother. What did you say? Nothing, nothing. Look, Blanche, I'm just getting tired of these outlandish dishes you keep making. Like what? Like that rhubarb pie you made yesterday. What was the matter with it? Matter with it? Who ever heard of a pie two feet long? Well, I couldn't get any shorter rhubarb. <laughs> Let's have an understanding now, Blanche. I hate rhubarb, and stop making me seven-layer broccoli cakes and sheep soup. I never made sheep soup in my life. It's good, healthy possum broth. Yes, possum broth. Yes, possum broth. Just because I have a little imagination in cooking is no reason you should pick on me. I'm not picking, Blanche. Why don't you come out and say it? You hate my cooking. I don't hate it. I just don't understand it. You hate it. I tell you, I don't hate it. You do, you do, you do. Don't I eat everything you make? Then why do you always get tomain poisoning? Then I'll go figure it out. Blanche, do you mind if I get dressed and go to work? I don't care what you do. Get dressed. I will as soon as you finish wiping the dishes with my shirt. Uh, well, you shouldn't have hung it in the towel rack. Where else could I hang it? You made me sleep in the kitchen, didn't you? I didn't know my sister Clara was coming to spend the night, and I can't help it if we only have one bedroom. Fold up your cot. Find a place to sleep on a cot in the kitchen. Now, what's wrong with it? There isn't enough room in here to swing a cat. You leave the cat alone. I never touch the cat. There's plenty of room in here. There is not. There is too. If you'd put the breakfast table on top of the refrigerator and the canary cage in the washing machine, then you could shove the stove in the doorway and you'd have plenty of room for the cot between the sink and the cat's sandbox. I tried that. The cot's too short. My head lopped over into the sink and that leaky faucet gave me an all-night shampoo. You should have worn a shower cap. Anyway, Clara's gone now, and you won't have to sleep in the kitchen tonight. Fine. I felt terrible about her leaving before having any breakfast. She didn't need any breakfast. She was in here 14 times last night for a snack. Well, what of it? Nothing disturbs you when you're sleeping. Well, she did. She had the refrigerator open so much, I woke up with frostbitten feet. <laughs> woman eats like a boa constrictor. Clara doesn't eat because she wants to. Just because she's trying to get rid of her heartburn. Do you? Where are my shoes? You're wearing them. You're a fine one to talk about other people stuffing themselves. A man who can't even see his own shoes anymore. Do you want this frog omelet or not? No. Stop using my pants for a potholder. Well, that's what you use them for. 
Just leave my pot out of this. I may have a little flab around my waistline, but I don't eat one-tenth as much as your fat sister. You stop calling her fat. Clara is a glandular case. The doctor says she's an ectomorph with an overactive thyroid. I don't care. She's a convertible with a hydromatic drive. She eats like she was condemned. If you say one more word against my sister, I'll never talk to you again. I wish you wouldn't tempt me that way. Will you pay for that, John Pickerson? I know it. You've been tearing down my family since the first day we were married. Never a kind word about any of them. That's not true. Don't I inquire about the state of your rich uncle's health every day in the week? You sure do. Every day, you say, is the old goat dead yet? Well, is he? No. And when he does pass on, you can be sure he won't leave you a penny. I wouldn't touch it if he did. I may be broke, but I don't want his crooked money. I always wondered how he could travel around Europe on a bank janitor's salary. He isn't a bank janitor at all. He's one of the shrewdest manipulators in Canada. How do you think he got his title? What title? You know as well as I do, my uncle was knighted for his operations in the stock market. It was the black market. <laughs> and he wasn't knighted, he was indicted. <laughs> knighted. Well, whatever it was, he's got money and that's all that counts. And that reminds me, I need some money for a new dress. I can't give you any money this week. That's what you said last week. Well, I kept my word, didn't I? <laughs> Anyway, you don't need a new dress. Yes, I do. I've been wearing this old rag for two years, and I'm ashamed to go out on the street. Stay home. <laughs> Wherever I go, the women whisper behind my back, there goes Bickerson's wife. Look how she's dressed. For heaven's sake, look how I'm dressed, and I'm Bickerson. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? It means I'm barely making enough to keep body and soul together, and we don't have any extra money for fancy clothes. No, but there's always plenty for your precious bourbon. Oh, now, don't start that again. I never spend a penny on the stuff. Not much. The whole house is full of empty bottles. Where'd they come from if you didn't buy them? I never bought an empty bottle in my life. And you know. Well, why don't you get rid of them? Uh, I gotta get out of here, Blanche. It's getting late. Answer me, John. Why are you so attached to a lot of dead bourbon bottles? I was with them when they passed away. <laughs> Goodbye, Blanche. Wait a minute. How can you go off to work every morning of your life? Goodbye, Blanche. Now what? Is that the way a married man acts? Blanche, I'm not acting. I'll say you're not. There isn't another man in the world as thoughtless as you. Oh, Take a lesson from your friend Mel Shaw. No single morning goes by that he doesn't shower Louise with affection. He wouldn't dream of leaving the house without kissing Louise goodbye. Why don't you do that? Okay, call her up and tell her I'll be right over. <laughs> Goodbye, Blanche. <laughs> that wraps up another edition of the Golden Days of Radio. You know, when you sit around doing nothing, time passes very slowly, and it can drive you crazy. But once you wade into your job, the time really flies. As a member of the armed forces, you've hit the big time. Make your time count at work. Have you ever thought about how many people are counting on you? This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.